All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. Uh, God, your word changes our life. It comes alive. It feeds us. It nourishes us. It empowers us by the Spirit, God. Every single word of it was breathed by the Holy Ghost. And I pray the Holy Spirit would bring it alive in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, as you guys know, we've been on this uh, essential doctrines. You know, we, we were in the elementary doctrines. We covered those the foundational beginning principle doctrines, and we've kind of been moving on in this teaching series to the essential doctrines of Christianity, meaning not the beginning, not the elementary, not the foundational, but very key, pivotal, essential doctrines, things that we need to know uh, to function that Christ gave us, that the, uh, the Holy Spirit gave us through the letters of the apostles. So the whole Bible really teaches it. Um, we went through the essential doctrine of communion, Um, And now we are on the essential doctrine of the church. We did part one last week. That is up on the podcast. Terrible audio quality because I had, uh, unfortunately, so so to our podcast listeners, we officially uh, and very seriously apologize. We had some technical difficulties, but we got that all sorted out, so this should be much clearer. Um, I had to record it with my phone last week, so, um, but I still wanted to get it out there. But that was part one of the church. And so we've been talking about the essential doctrine of the church. And this week we're going to continue that. I actually think it's going to end up being at least three weeks on the church. So, um, but tonight we're going to begin to discuss part two. And just uh, last week, just kind of recap, we just talked about the basically the essential need to be part of a local body of, uh, of Christ, to be plugged in, to be rooted in a place, how that none of the authors of scripture, you don't see it anywhere, the Holy Spirit who authored it, right, through various men, um, when they're pinning the scriptures, there is never this assumption that you're not going to belong to a local body. And we dealt with the um, kind of the, the, the pendulum swing of thoughts and ideas of, well, we are the church. Like, I am the church, you're the church. And so, you know, brother, where two or three are gathered um, there, we're in the, the, God's in the midst of us, so that can be the church. And how there's some truth in that. There's some truth in that, but that's not the way that God designed it. And when, and when Paul wrote to us uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse uh, 15, and he said that the church of the living God, the household of faith, is the pillar and ground of truth, that he was talking about a local corporate body that had governing members. It had elders and deacons, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and these type things. Um, in it. And so we, again, we just went over biblically how, you know, this is the thing that Christ died for, died to build. You know, he died to forgive us of our sins, bring us to heaven. But now in this life, he is building his church, preparing us. We may even at some point get into talking about the church as the bride. Um, But I really wanted to talk um, and deal with the idea of that we don't need to belong in a local church. And, and again, I think, the, you know, we talked about the pendulum swing of one idea is that, you know, you can't be saved without being a part of a local church. You know, you know, some of Catholicism has gotten to that. Like if you don't belong to this specific denomination, you're not saved. Um, and then again, the other side of the pendulum, if it swings all the way to the right, it's, oh, well, I can just sit in my living room, me, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's church, you know. And how, again, that 
Paul very much so warns, well, the author of Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, warns us of that. And he says, hey, do not neglect the gathering together of yourselves as some do, and even more so as you see the day approaches, but gather and be encouraged. Then we looked at, too, how when we gather together, this is when we're encouraged by prophecy, by songs, hymns, spiritual songs. Uh, we did that on Sunday. If you're here on Sunday, the Holy Spirit led us to um, just admonish one another in a spiritual song, and it edified the body and lifted us up. And man, we just entered into a place of of worship that was powerful. And, and that wouldn't have happened if we weren't together. Amen. And uh, and we talked about to accountability, and then and then being able to meet needs one to the other, uh, and just being different members of the body. And so we're going to kind of continue on on kind of that theme. But I just want to show you too, because I feel like um, some people also they get hung up on the corporate gathering because typically most order of service, if you will, that's kind of the label it's been given. Nowadays, it looks similar. And wh what do I mean? Well, typically, if you go to any church anywhere, it's typically going to have worship, all right? Then in between, an offering, right? Uh, some kind of exhortation, an offering, and then a message, and then often the gifts of the Spirit after or, you know, or we'll go back into worship, whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit leads. Typically, that's the order of service almost in every single church. And some people say, well, that's because it's religion and that's just the way we do it. And I don't want to be a part of the organized church. And, you know, why do we do this? But that's just not the case. And I, I want to show you that it's actually by divine design. It's not just something that man decided to do. And sure, we're led by the Holy Spirit. And so how, at least in this house, <laughs> amen, some people, sure, they take an, a list and they mark, we're going to have 30 minutes for praise. We're going to have 15 minutes for announcement. And they do, they divide up the time and they know what time you're going to get in. And they start every week at that exact time. They end every week at, at, at the exact time. Now that again is in the flesh of works and typically um, you know, some people say, well, it's of excellence, but you really are at that point telling Holy Spirit when he can and can't move. We're not talking about that. We want to be open to the Holy Spirit. If you notice here, service may start 15 minutes after seven. If I see the Lord is on people connecting and talking and communicating and the Holy Spirit's present in the room, I'm not going to squelch that. I'm not going to quench that. Amen. Uh, or if we sometimes we've come in here at at. 10 and start intercessory prayer and it's hopping in intercessory prayer and we skip any kind of transition and we just go into worship and then we're worshiping until noon 12 30 sometime i mean it just doesn't matter we just keep rolling whatever the holy spirit wants to do in sometimes prophecy sometimes preaching sometimes this sometimes that but but in in will flow and follow the holy spirit and sometimes i'll teach for an hour 15 hour and a half sometimes i'll teach for 30 minutes who knows or preach, or whoever's preaching. You know, maybe maybe God changes it on me, and Sarah's preaching it today. I've literally been in a meeting where I thought I was I had a message, and then the Holy Spirit changed it, said, give it to somebody else. That's being led by the Spirit. But I promise you, if you look all throughout history, even read the Bible, even read the Bible, they would worship, okay? They would worship, and then Someone would teach, and, and, and it would be different every time, but that's typically the order in which it would go. I mean, you see the Apostle Paul teach into the night so much so a dude falls asleep and falls out the window and dies. 
I, I mean, man, you know, how long did you have to go? And it's the Apostle Paul preaching. I guarantee it wasn't boring. And, you, you know, but the dude falls asleep, falls out a window and dies. But Paul's answer is, let me go raise him from the dead, you know. But anyway, I, I guarantee you, typically all throughout church history, you'll see that the, the way a service typically goes is typically worship first, some kind of prayer, worship, you know, and then in that, sometimes it's the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, then you'll typically see an offering or a, of some type, a moment of, uh, of offering, some instruction or whatever, and then some type of message from the Lord. And what we don't want to do is get hung up with that on that and say, well, that's just by man's design. And well, you know, Pastor Brett or, or Pastor Sarah or whoever's lead, they just decided to do things this way. And that's why we do them because man decided. But I, I want to show you scripturally that that is just not so. I want to deal with that tonight. But it's actually by divine design that God orchestrated it this way. And it, that's why it typically goes this way, because he's the head of his church. And he decided it would be this way. Uh, I, may, I may just touch on some practical um, reasons why that happens and, and why the Lord may set it up that way and go that route. Uh, and then we're going to um, probably start to get into why there are pastors and leaders and why we need leadership and stuff like that. We won't get into that and how that is by divine design. That's not because men and women want to be in charge. Trust me, it's not because men and women want it. Most of us just don't even want it and have tried to give it away. And God just keeps, you know, bringing it um, and how we're called to wash feet. But how we need leadership and we, we need um, the grace of leaders on people's on individuals lives and so we'll, we'll touch a lot but again this is the essential doctrine of the church part two i want you to turn with me to psalms chapter 68 psalms chapter 68 i find it very interesting um and i, I want you to encourage you uh, and show you again we we read the whole bible in the context of all the bible and i want you to understand too when you read the bible i want you to be aware that god knew when the first line of Genesis was written, right, and it, and it says, And the heavens and the earth were without void, right? God created them, right? When it begins to speak in Genesis 1, and he talks about creation, that in that moment, the Holy Spirit knew the last line of Revelations. Okay? When you read the Bible, when we read the Bible, we want to read it in the light of that lens. That when... Genesis 1 was written, he already knew what the last line and last sentence of the book of Revelations would be and all the way through it. He already knew. He foreknew it. He foresaw it. Uh, he knew what he would say. He, he, the, the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth. Man did not fall and God scratched his head and go, oh, I need to come up with an idea to fix them, so I'm going to send Jesus. That You didn't catch God off guard. He's seen everything. He's seen every day and every moment of your life before God even spoke life into existence. Before there was life or beings, God saw you and knew you. I want you to understand that, okay? So everything is, somebody say this word with me, intentional. Say intentional. It's not in there by happenstance, okay? We have, in my, my Bible right now, there are... I'm going to try to get the exact number. 
of how many pages of words in here. Actually, you know what? Caleb Spears, why don't you Google and tell me how many words are in the Bible? How many words are in the Bible? He's on it. Seven hundred and seventy thousand four hundred and thirty words in the NKJV. God was intentional about every one of them. I want you to understand that. Obviously, would be the original language transition. He's intentional about every single word. Every single word is in there. It's in there for a reason. And the the Psalms are even more so interesting in the light of this lens because David was so stinking prophetic. Okay? You will find, like, listen, you'll find Jesus in every chapter, every book of the Bible. Every, well, at least every book of the Bible. Every chapter, every verse. You'll find him in there. But the Psalms, it's just oozing Christ. It's David. The, Christ is the son of David, right? And it's just oozing Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many times does David actually, when he's writing, slip into a prophetic vision and utterance and he starts describing the moments of the cross? How many of you read that in the book of Psalms? It's literally in there. So David foresaw the new covenant. Actually, David had such a revelation of Christ, of the Messiah, of the new covenant that he actually entered into new covenant principles of priest and king huh he was not of the lineage of the levites he had no business going in and actually the lord rebuked some for taking upon themselves the ephod and trying to be a priest when they weren't part of the levites but david somehow had a pass how to get a pass the same way we get a pass from our sin by faith He believed he could foresee prophetically into the new covenant of Christ. He could see how things would be right from the the prophetic nature of his life and of his calling. And by the Holy Spirit speaking to him, he got to such a place in worship with the Lord, in prophecy with the Lord, uh, in visions and encounters with the Lord that he literally began to live in new covenant realities. He was prophet, priest, and king. It's amazing. Which, by the way, Christ came as prophet, priest, high priest, and king. You know that? He so embodied that, man. It's crazy. Um, so when he writes the Psalms, you'll see woven in them new covenant realities that we're actually living out right now. And David foresaw it. Another um, thing that David foresaw and instituted, and I don't think we'll get in there tonight, maybe in the future, but I would encourage you to go read the Tabernacle of David. And actually the order of service within the Tabernacle of David, the downloaded blueprint that David got from God on how to orchestrate the Tabernacle of David, how it was actually positioned and set up is very similar to actually how our churches are set up now with the state, with musicians, with chairs. Like, it, it's crazy. David foresaw what we would have, the tabernacle of David where they would worship. And they literally would have day and night worship and musicians and, and music going and people singing and ministering unto the Lord day and night. It's awesome that he was able to do that. And so I just want you to understand that this isn't like man's idea. We, we, we're, we're smart, but we ain't that smart, you know. Like God set us up and he leads us and guides us by the Holy Spirit. There's a reason that every church throughout the church age in in the history of the church is 
compelled to format their services in a certain way and move a certain way. And even our dear friends at Sunburn, love them. Like I said, we're going to be there uh, next month. Love them. They are one of the most spirit-led churches I have ever been to in my life. Still have a very, you'll see it's typically worship, an offering, and a wor- because the Holy Spirit leads that way. He, he orchestrated it. He designed it this way. And I want to show you in the book of Psalms, you're actually going to see it right here. Okay? You ready? Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away. So drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Somebody say, at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, Yet, let, yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the cloud by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. It's amazing. So David literally begins this. He's given us some instructions of what to do. And he says, let God be lifted up. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let them melt before him as wax. But let the righteous do what? Let them rejoice. Rejoice exceedingly. Sing praises. Extol him. And again, this is typically how we begin a service. With worship and praise. And we see correlated with worship and praise a spiritual principle of as this is happening, the enemies of God melt like wax. Do you see this? They literally flee. The presence of the Lord comes and it melts away the enemies like wax. You'll actually see, it's crazy what worship does. You'll, you'll see, um, if you read through First, Second Kings, and through like the, the school of the prophets, the sons of the prophets that followed Elijah and stuff like that, um, and Samuel and different people like that, often they would call for musicians to play, and they would say, hey, play, so the Spirit of God will come, and then we'll prophesy. They literally recognized a pattern of what pleased God and how God would respond to worship and then that worship would bring the presence and where the presence is, the voice is. Why? Because the word for presence in the Bible, in the original language, is the word panim in Hebrew and it means the same thing as face and presence. They're the same thing. So when the presence comes, his face comes in. Where is your mouth? On your face. And what comes out of your mouth? Your voice. And so if the presence and the face of God are here, the voice will come. Do you see? So we get in the presence. We get in God's presence. How? Typically through worship. We begin to adore him. We begin to extol him. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. So our praises, the Bible says, come up as incense before the Lord. A sweet-smelling aroma. It's attractive to him. You know? Again, the Bible calls us a bride, right? So uh, the same way a bride would attract her husband, right? She gets adorned. She, she puts on a fragrance. She, she, she gussies herself up, using an old, old terminology. She gussies herself up, right, to draw him in. It's the same way the church, does. We, we, love, we do the things that please him. And again, obviously, it's his pleasure to come. It's his, he always comes. He's faithful to come. It's not like we're twisting God's arm. That's not what it is. But it is, we just see, 
It's not manipulation. It's not witchcraft. I don't want to get in. I, we're not going to get into that. But we just see all throughout Scripture that there's a biblical pre- precedence that the presence of God, God's Spirit, responds to our worship. I, I, I was sitting in, in my office today uh, and just wanted to spend some time with the Lord. And I began to open up this old hymn book and sing out these old hymns. And I just began to sing out to the Lord and whoosh, the presence of God was there. He responded to my adoration. He responded to my worship. And this is what happens when we come together and we begin to worship corporately. A, he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the, the rebellious, listen to this, dwell in a dry land. It's very interesting that, that, that he lists this dry land, and then he talks about being in the presence of, the God, of God at the exact same time. Do you see that? Uh, and again, the enemy's waxing. Another thing I've seen happen, and you'll find this in Scripture, you'll find it in the life of David and Saul, is Saul was being tormented by a demon, okay? And what, what, what would they do? They would say, bring in David, right? And then the anointing that was on David as he plays music abated the demons that is on Saul. Wouldn't it be the wisdom of God to set up most church services to have praise and worship begin to take place? Why? Knowing that it abates demons and you've got lost people coming in bound up by demons, knowing that there's a power and an anointing and praise that would stifle the demons, right? Calm them down. Why? Because they're sitting there chirping and people's ears you say what listen i can't tell you how many people i know who have talked to me about coming into our services who literally are being tormented by demons praise god they've been delivered and are free right now in jesus name set free specifically one of them of homosexuality all kinds of stuff set free, delivered but they would literally sit here and hear voices in their head but something happens in a spiritual atmosphere something happens when the presence of god comes his enemies the bible say melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. So there's a purpose behind this. I, I, I don't want you coming in here and, or, or, or any service just thinking that, oh, well, it's just praise and worship, and I'm just going to sit here and get through to the message because I really like the preaching part, or I really want the, the, the time of ministry to come through. No, there's a plan and a purpose designed by heaven, a blueprint from heaven for us to come in and worship and praise God that his presence would come and melt like wax his enemies. You don't know who's bound up, depressed, come in here with all kinds of stuff on them, and man, just uh, Decker gets up there with his anointing that he carries, and he just plucks a string, ping, and that anointing goes out, cracks the yoke off of somebody. I've seen it time and time again. Amy strikes a key. Huh? Chris hits a drum, and the anointing just begins to shift and break. Amen. God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of, of the Lord. How many times we sing, let it rain. That freshness comes, right? That washes like rain does. It washes away all the, man, you, you know, I sit there and my truck be covered in dust and I'm like, I need to take it and get, I need to get a wash. And then all of a sudden what happens? It like a pouring down rain comes and it cleanses it, cleanses it and it washes it. So does the presence of the Lord. 
It says this, of God and of God of Israel, you, O God, sent a plentiful rain whereby you confirmed your inheritance. Hallelujah. When it was weary, your, your congregation dwelt in it. Do you know what that, that's what they call us, right? That's a term. We call it the congregation, huh? To come together, to assemble together, the church congregating together. Listen, whereby... Uh, sorry, when it was where your congregation dwelt in it, you, O God, provided from your goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Listen, it's very interesting. Again, here you see a correlation of the manifest presence of God, and then immediately after it, the voice of God. Do you see that? He literally says, he's describing the presence of God coming, what it does, how it affects God's uh, enemies, what it does for us, how it replenishes us, how it renews us. Man, I don't know about you. Sometimes I've come into church and I'm like, man, I just don't even want to be here. But then by the time worship is over, I'm like, man, it feels great. The presence of God. Woo, I'm so glad I came. You know, that's what it does. And it gets you ready to hear what the Lord gave the word. And then great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Listen, kings of armies flee, they flee, and she who remains at home divides the spoil, though you lie down among the sheepfolds. Well, do you know what the sheepfolds is? We're called the sheep of his pasture. Think about that. This is why you need all of Scripture to interpret all of the Scripture. You need Psalms 23 right here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Did you see now here how the worship in the word, all this led us to the green pastures where we lie down now as sheep in the sheepfold. Do you see it? The prophetic thread here. You will be like wings of a dove. There's the Holy Spirit. Covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Anybody ever tells you you need a scripture for signs and wonders, gold and gold dust and silver dust ever manifest? You want to find it in the Bible. It's right here. It actually says you'll be covered in it's it's clear right there. Uh, when the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as so snow in Zalmon. A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. Many coordinate the mountain of God with being the church. If you didn't know that. Uh, many do. A mountain of God, many peaks, is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God did desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Uh, obviously, we know Mount Zion, but how many of you know where is the dwelling place of God? It is us, and we are the house of God, right? And when we gather together, we're the, we, we learned last week, we're the church of God. The household of faith, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. He says he desires to dwell in this mountain. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, in the holy place. You have, listen to this. I want you guys, if you've got your Bibles out, maybe underline or, or, uh, or highlight or, or mark out this, whether it's in your, your version app, you can even highlight it. This particular scripture, it's a very interesting. 
that this scripture is here. And again, this is why we need all of scripture to interpret all of scripture because where we're going next, we will come back to this. I, w- I want to show you this, but listen. Right smack in the middle, it says, you ascended on high, you led captivity captive, you have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. So he's prophesying to a place he's going to dwell. Do you understand that? And and he's talking about you ascended on high, you led captivity captives, even among rebellious men, the Lord God desires to dwell there. It's very interesting that this is right here, and I'm going to show you why, about what there, where there is. I want you to remember, where is there? Ask that, have that question in your, put a question mark in your mind, on your notes, whatever. Where is there? All right, let's move on. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits the God of our salvation, again, this is important too, that it's right after this scripture of, again, where we're going next, daily loads us with benefits. How does he load us with benefits? We'll get there. The God of our salvation, and our God is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belongs escapes from death, right? But God will wound the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses, The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from their enemies. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about Genesis chapter 3 when he said that the seed of the serpent would strike his heel, but his heel would crush his head. He's speaking about Christ. He's prophesying about Jesus. He's tying in Genesis all the way to, again, Revelations. So listen to this. They have seen your procession, right? Again, here we're getting back into, I want you to see how David is forcing the structure of a service and how most services typically go and how he's like prophetically seeing in the future. And and again, we'll come back to that verse 18 that I just read uh, and even into 19 in the next, uh, where we're going next. But right now, listen to this, the procession of my God. Do you know what a procession is? A procession is like back in the day if you had a king and he had his procession and say he was going to do like a parade through the, through the crowd, there would be a procession of people following the king to go through the city. Does that make sense? Well, who's the Lord's procession? It's you and I. We're the Lord's procession. We're following him. Listen, they have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my king, into where? The sanctuary. Listen. Coming in, so the people, the procession, when they come into the sanctuary, they do what? Listen, the singers went before. The players on instruments followed after. Among them were the maidens playing timbrels. Bless God in the congregation, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. There is little Benjamin, their leader, the princes of Judah, their company, the princes of Zebulun, and the princes of Nephitality. Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen us, O God, what you have done for us. Do you see that? When they come into the sanctuary, everybody's there. Everybody's come. There's everybody. All, everybody came to church. Everybody came to the service. Everybody gathered around the presence of God. Everybody came into the sanctuary. And how did they come in? With singing and instruments. Do you see it begins with singing instruments? This is not just man's design. It's God's design. Listen to this. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring presents to you. What do we typically do after worship? We receive an offering. Listen, 
Kings, what we'll say, well, that's kings. Yeah, but you know what the Bible calls us? Priests and kings unto our God. Listen to this. So you go into the sanctuary. There's worship. There's praise. There's music. We just read it. And then it says kings will bring presents to you. Rebuke the beasts of the reeds, the herd of the bulls with the calves of the people. Till what? Till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Sounds like tithe and offering, doesn't it? It's very interesting. If you take this in light of Malachi when he says, you rob me, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, test me in this, right? And see if I won't open up the heavens. And then he says what? I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. It's, it's saying the same thing in different words. I literally just read the same thing. Listen, <laughs> your kings will bring presents to you. Rebuke the beasts of the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the people. Why? Till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Submitting to the Lord in tithes and offerings. It's crazy, man. It's all right here. The whole order of service. Now listen to this. After that, Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Envoys will come out to Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides on the heavens of heavens, which were of old indeed. Listen, then what happens? He sends out his voice, a mighty voice. What typically happens again after that offering? Sometimes we'll go back into worship. Sometimes we don't. But then comes what? His voice, his word. That, that's what you have to understand about the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word. If you have a spirit-led pastor, leader, pastors, leaders, if you have a spirit-led people, they are humbling themselves and spending time with God every day, right? Every day, every uh, constantly seeking his face. They are not coming to you with a good idea or a sermon uh, subject that they think that would be beneficial to you. There are many pastors and leaders who do that. There are some uh, denominations that actually send out, which that may even be spirit-led, if it's the people who are sending them out are led by the spirit, if they don't just think it's a good idea. But literally, they get packets in the mail, and this is what every church in the area is preaching on that subject, in that denomination. That's the way they do it. Some pastors and leaders go see an issue in their congregation, be like, look, nobody's giving, nobody's doing this, nobody's doing that. I need to respond to this issue by preaching on this subject. Some will say, well, we've got people living together unmarried. I need to preach on the chastity of marriage. I need to preach on holiness. I need to preach on, and they'll respond to the sin amongst their people and preach that way. I would propose that typically nine times out of 10, that's humanistic and not spirit led. But if you are under leadership or you're part of a church where they're led by the Spirit of God, the message that is coming from the pulpit is by divine design, and you better believe it or you won't benefit half of what God intends you to benefit. Why? Because it's by faith. It's grace by faith, man. It's through through grace by faith. That's the way it works. The divine ability of God by faith. I believe that what is coming out of Pastor Brett's mouth right now, what's coming out of my mouth, what's coming out of Pastor Sarah's mouth, what's coming out, whatever's coming out, I believe that God is speaking to me through that vessel. It is not the words of man. It's the grace of God, and they are being led by God. And I was led by God to be here. I was led by God to be a part of this community. I was led by God to be here, so God wants me to hear that. I guarantee you, you won't be on Facebook if you believe that way. I guarantee you. 
If you really believe that, you'll be on the edge of your seat. What's God saying to me? Huh? Not just, oh, well, you know, so-and-so ever speaking just had an idea. This is just what we do. We, we did worship. We did the offering. And, well, you know, somebody's going to give us a TED Talk for two hours. It's not a TED Talk, man. Huh? It says this. It says that, indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice, ascribe strength to God. You are strengthened by the word of God. It's literally the seed, the implanted word of God. The Bible says is able to save your souls. There is soul-saving power in the preaching of the word. There's equipping and training to, be, to manifest the men of Christ, which I'm getting ahead of myself. But do you see the order? I mean, it's right here in Psalms. Isn't it crazy? Ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel. His strength is in the clouds, in the heavens. O oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be to God. So he wraps up all of this, this whole event of being caught up in the glory, the presence of God coming, the worship, the, the preaching of the word, all of these things who, by the way, he said they're going up into the sanctuary. This whole thing is wrapped around being gathered, congregating as a people, worshiping God, coming together as now we see, obviously back then, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle of David, whatnot. Now we see this fulfilled in the church, which David was prophetically seeing anyway he actually was instituting in his day what he was seeing prophetically in the future by the way a lot of what he was doing and so we see it culminates to what that god gives strength and power to his people that that's the fruit of our coming together do you see that is it amazing jump with me to ephesians chapter four do you remember that verse in uh in 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 psalm 68 we just read verse 18 where he says he led captivity's captive right very, very key. Remember that. Listen, here's Paul writing a letter, Ephesians chapter four, to the church of Ephesus. Listen, to what he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Well, what were we called to, Paul? Well, thank you for telling me with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. You cannot bear with one another in love alone. I said you cannot bear with one another in love alone, sitting at your house by yourself. You must be a part of a people to do this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What unity of spirit in the bond of peace is there just at your house? Of course it's, you're at peace. Huh? <laughs> but amongst each other. It's amazing too because this word endeavor actually means to keep in custody like a child. It's a family thing. That's what it means in the Greek, to keep in custody like a child. So good. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called. So there's one body of Christ, right? One spirit, that's the church. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? So obviously, again, this is a letter to a church, right? In Ephesus. Which, thank God, it became a letter to all churches in all time. Uh, but he's speaking. Now he's shifting. 
and he's talking to you about the grace given according to the measure of, of Christ's gifts. So that's the context of what's being said, the gifts of God in the context of the church functioning together corporately. Can we agree to that? Right? That's what he's saying. Amazing that right after that he says, when he ascended on high and led captivity captives and gave gifts to men. That's verse 18 in Psalm 68. So Paul, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus used to do, man, he'd pluck scriptures from the Old Testament and say, this is actually what they meant right here. Here's the fulfillment of it. Paul, led by the Holy Ghost, penning this letter, goes back and out of all scripture, plucks right in the middle of Psalm 68 and brings it right into Ephesians 4 and say, yeah, that thing David was foreseeing, that's this. Isn't that amazing? Man. And again, how do you wrap up Psalm 68? The strength and the power of God, right? Listen, now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Again, if you jump back to Psalm 68, he's literally, David is foreseeing what is now fulfilled in Christ and the fivefold ministry in the church. Do you see that? Do you see how it connects the two? I mean, I'll go back there for you real quick if you want. I can find it. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. I'll turn right to it. You have ascended on high, led captivity captives. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Speaking of the dwelling place, right after Paul in Ephesians 4 says, he fills all things with himself, that the Lord God might dwell there. Do you see it's the same thing? Different words, same thing, right? Then it says this. Blessed be the Lord who loads daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Well, what did he just tell you that the fivefold ministers were? He ascended on high to give gifts to the body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints. That, that means to, 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 uh, 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 to equip you, to give you everything that you need, to daily load you with benefits. Man. Isn't that good? Do you see that? It, God was intentional to put this, this scripture right out of 68, right in Ephesians 4, because he's showing it. That again, you need all of scripture to understand all of scripture. You got to remember, when Paul wrote Ephesians, all he had was Psalms and the rest of the Old Testament. He didn't have the New, New Testament. He was writing the New Testament. Think about that. So he knew exactly where that came from. He, he probably was in that that most likely, unless it was just by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul was in Psalm 68 that day when he wrote it. Probably sitting there going, oh my gosh, the, David was foreseeing the church. Look, I'm just, you know, putting it out there. As mom would say. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. What benefits you more than knowing Christ? To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of Christ. He daily loads you with benefits. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So in other words, God ascended and gave gifts to men. He sent apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to be daily loaded with benefits through them. How can you receive that if you are not part of a local body where those gifts are functioning and flowing? Well, well, YouTube. Yeah, but there's no relational accountability there. There's no, you don't know them from Adam, you, you know. I mean, I can get on a, a camera and do a real good job. They're called actors. Hmm. Hey. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. The head of what? The church, his body. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. How can you be joined and knit together alone? You can't. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. By what every joint supplies. There's that daily loading of benefits again. Supplies you with benefits. That means that there's grace in you and there's grace in me and there's grace in Sarah that we need from each other that we get coming together. It's by divine... Excuse me, by divine design, which every part does its share. So actually, when you're not doing your share in the part of a local body, you're denying each other from being loaded by the benefits of God. Does that make sense? Hmm? When you're not actively being a part of a local body, you're denying that local body the daily loading of benefits of God through your life. You're needed in the body. This causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So he ties being alienated from the very life of God into being joined and knit together as one body. Do you see that? It's crazy. So literally, when I reject, I begin to alienate myself from the life of God. Well, does that mean God leaves me and forsakes me? No. But if God moves through prophecy, if God moves through apostles, if God moves through prophets, if God moves through evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and you're not around them, you're not equipped, you're not, you're not in. If God moves through Jackson today, if God through, moves through Joe tomorrow, and you're not a, around them or with them, how are you receiving that life? How are you receiving the life of Christ if the life of Christ is given through the body of Christ? Come on, Jesus. Says this, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all cleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, and indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you may put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, he tells you this right here. I want to jump back over to 
verse 16. Or verse 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him. Well, who's speaking the truth in love to you? The body of Christ. I am right now. <laughs> Listen. Who the, is the head? It's grow up in all things into him. Who is the head? From whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Jump back to 24. Put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. How are you putting on that new man? Again, by being actively part of the body. Yes, by the secret place. Yes, by your personal devotion of God. But also by God designed it this way. That we would, we would have to be a part of a local community, a local body to grow up in Christ. You'll only grow so far alone. Amen. So again, Paul is saying all this to a local body, pulling it right out of the context of Psalm 68, where we see very clearly what is widely known and widely experienced by the universal church, meaning everybody that is actually a church has a lampstand before Christ, which is the, in the typical order of service. It Literally, it's across the board. Wouldn't you agree? If you've been in any multiple churches across the board, it's typically, even the Catholic church, I mean, there's a whole lot of different things they add. They don't, but typically there's what? Singing and then word. Singing, offering word, singing, offering word. It's almost across the board. Everywhere you go, every conference you go to, worship might be longer. Somebody might come out and prophesy. The voice of God, we saw that in Psalm 68. Sometimes the voice of God pops up in worship. You know, they sing and then people prophesy. Sometimes that happens, right? But it's typical, that order of service, typical. You know, we try to, listen, we have no written order of service at this church. There is no structure. Some literally, I have the, literally, I have the, the leadership team texting me when they know I'm going to be out of town or this or that, like days before. Hey, who's speaking? I'm like, I don't know. You should probably ask God. <laughs> That's not up to me. Huh? It's really not up to me. It, some of them are starting to get used to it. It's okay. They're just like, well, you know, old Jen, she is, Jen is like, and she walks in excellence of organization. That's her like it's just a grace on our life, which we need, amen. And she's our treasure, keeps us uh, accountable on point. She does it with excellence and all that. And it's great, amazing, you know. But that's a stretch for her, you know. And she's like, and I've literally, the Lord has done it. I've watched him do it, and he'll be like, oh yeah, you know, uh, tell Jen she's preaching tomorrow or whatever. It'd be like last minute. And she's like, <gasps> and then she comes in and just it blows the paint off the wall because it's the Holy Spirit. It's not her anyway, you know. But God has the plan. But again, even in God's plan, you'll typically see what? This type of order of service. It just, it, I mean, it's just across the board. People haven't just been doing this for years for no reason. <laughs> you know, even the most Holy Ghost-led meetings, revivals, all of them. Worship, offering, word, typically, is the way it goes. And then a time of ministry or, or, or whatnot. And again, it's all mixed up. I, I, my point is I want you to see the divine design of the church. From thick to thin, right? From beginning to end, all the way through. The messiness of it, okay? The beauty of it, the good relationships, the rough relationship, all of it by divine design. The same God who told the ocean when to cease. The same God who designed all of creation 
in the, uh, what's it called? The, the circle of life, right? Do you know what the circle of life is? You know what the circle of life is? Right? It means if you took out the mosquito, it would damage the circle of life. Even those annoying mosquitoes, divine design. Spiders, can't stand them, do not believe. And maybe I'm wrong. God forgive me if I'm in an error in my doctrine. But don't believe we'll have spiders in the new heaven and the earth. New earth. I just don't foresee it. Bats either. I just don't, you know, just don't foresee it, okay? But in the divine design, how many of you know bats actually keep the mosquitoes down and spiders keep flies down? Like, you, you know, divine design, okay? Intentional. And so is the church in the way in which it flows and functions together. So is every joint brought together. Why? So that we grow up in the full, mature man of Christ. And I don't know about you, but what the heck am I doing left on this earth if I ain't growing up into Christ? I might as well go on and be with him. Hmm? My whole point right now of being alive is to be an active, life-giving member of the body of Christ and display Him as I grow up in the church into the mature man of Christ. Display that mature man to the world around Him. Why? So that some might come to the saving knowledge of that man, Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your divine design. I thank you for your order of service. I thank you for setting it up that way. I thank you that worship washes us, God. I thank you that it brings us into your presence. I thank you that your enemies wax, melt like wax before us, God, when your presence comes. I thank you that when your presence comes, your voice comes. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to give and submit to you with pieces of silver. And God, that you strengthen in us in the power of your might in your local church God when we gather together in our meetings you're strengthening us right now God I thank you that even as I speak life is flowing into people's bodies Lord because your word is living God it's sharper than any two-edged sword it's dividing soul it's dividing flesh and spirit God and it's strengthening us empowering us and raising us up into mature saints Lord thank you for that God Thank you, Jesus. Whoo! Thank you, God, that, that, that it's not taxing or a burden to come into the house of the Lord. But God, like David said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. So God, I thank you now that we have an understanding. We can put faith in your word when we come together, Lord. We can put faith. We love the church. We love to gather. We love to be the body. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.